Marceline, Missouri, population 2,221, might be one of the most unremarkable places that you could think of. With a quaint late 19th century-esque Main Street and not much more, you might be surprised to learn that you may have already paid to see reproductions of Marceline's charming small-town America atmosphere. If you've ever been to a Disney theme park, you've likely found yourself immersed in a Main Street scene not much different than Marceline's own. The buildings might be more immaculate and feature the modern glory that is air conditioning, but this resemblance is no coincidence. Marceline, Missouri is most known for being the hometown of Walt Disney. Walt had lofty goals for the creation of Disneyland in 1955. He wanted to channel the spirit of exotic exploration with Adventureland, traverse the American West in Frontierland, delve into the world of make-believe in Fantasyland, and, of course, welcome every visitor into the park with a stroll down Main Street, USA. But there is one other area of the park, Tomorrowland, channeling the ideas of space exploration and life in the future. Disney was known for his futurist views, and Tomorrowland in his California park was the first time that the public got a brief taste of what was in store in the years to come with Disney's emergence into the theme park industry. On opening day in 1955, Tomorrowland was designed to represent the then-distant year of 1986. The land featured a white rocket ship, the symbol of the nearby Rocket to the Moon attraction. An ornate world clock could tell visitors the time anywhere on the planet. The Autopia celebrated the future of transportation, the American freeway. And later that year, Space Station X-1 gave park guests a simulated satellite view of Earth as if from space. But the coming years gave rise to what is known as the Tomorrowland problem, as it was later named. The difficulty of creating a land based on the future was that, inevitably, the future always becomes the present. Neil Armstrong took his giant leap for mankind, satellite Sputnik was launched into space, and President Eisenhower signed the National Interstate and Defense Highways Act. To outlast these obstacles, Walt Disney and his Imagineers needed a sounding board, and they found it in the 1964 New York World's Fair. Disney was asked to create pavilions for the fair by several sponsors. Walt viewed this as an incredible opportunity. He could test new attraction technology for use at Disneyland. The 1964 World's Fair gave rise to four attractions that were not only favorites of fair visitors and became beloved at Disneyland upon their relocation at the fair's conclusion, but also helped propel the Walt Disney Company towards new frontiers. The fair allowed Walt to further develop the audio-animatronic technology that he had used previously with the birds in his enchanted tiki room. Olay! Olay! It's showtime! In the tiki 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 room In the tiki 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 room All the birds sing word and the flowers croon In the tiki 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 room Audio animatronics, lifelike moving figures, were an invention so new and innovative that a name had to be created just for them. The fair's exhibits featured many of these animatronics, ranging from simple dancing children in UNICEF's It's a Small World, an attraction representing over 100 countries uniting in unity and peace, to the exhibit with the most advanced figure of the time, Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln. But Walt's attractions for the fair were not only preoccupied with the historical past or rooted in the present. Ford had approached the company with a request for an exhibit featuring a new method of transportation. This idea evolved into Ford's Magic Skyway, and later, the People Mover, an elevated track tram system with vehicles that required no moving parts. Perhaps the most impressive and influential pavilion at the New York World's Fair was Walt Disney's Carousel of Progress, created on behalf of General Electric. The attraction was so aptly named because, as opposed to a stage show where the sets and characters changed after each scene, the audience rotated on a large circular platform, not unlike the motion of a carousel. Of course, this attraction was different than other stage shows for another reason. All of the actors were audio animatronics. 
There's a great big beautiful tomorrow Shining at the end of every day There's a great big beautiful tomorrow And tomorrow's just a dream away the Carousel of Progress brought clarity to Disneyland's Tomorrowland problem. The premise of the show was looking back at tomorrow, a somewhat contradictory slogan that fit the attraction well. The show opens with an early 18th century scene in which we are introduced to the family, our narrator, John, and his wife, Sarah, as well as their children, James and Patricia, the dog, Rover, and the children's grandparents. Yeah, it looks like the Robins are getting ready to celebrate Valentine's Day today. <laughs> what year is it? Oh, right around the turn of the century. And believe me, things couldn't be any better than they are today. The Carousel Theater rotates, and the audience now finds themselves in the 1920s, where John tells us about new advances in technology. People can now travel from New York to California by train in three days, and his automobile now has an electric starter, so he doesn't have to crank it. In the 1940s scene, we learn that the family now has a television as well as a dishwasher. And in the 21st century, the family is gathered around a television set, where James is teaching his grandmother how to play a new video game. Now it's a little tricky. Just use your game glove to fly behind the other guy and blast him with your laser blaster. Laser blaster? Well, I'll give it a try. The journey of this seemingly ageless family through the development of General Electric's technology still brings a sense of nostalgia, along with showcasing the development of technology over time and the idea of retrofuturism, arguably a more sustainable solution to capturing an ever-approaching tomorrow. The idea of the World's Fair also gave Walt and his Imagineers the confidence in their ideas and technology that they needed to move forward with their Florida project, as Walt called it when he announced his plans in 1965. After purchasing vast amount of land in central Florida, between the cities of Orlando and Kissimmee, Walt announced his project in what is now known as the Epcot film, shortly before his death in 1966. As you can see on this master plan, the theme park and all the other tourist facilities fill just one small area of our enormous Florida project. There's enough land here to hold all the ideas and plans we could possibly imagine. After the World's Fair, Walt's eyes had been opened to the possibilities that advancements and changes in technology could bring to this new venture. The Walt Disney Company wanted to create a futuristic, utopian city. They called the project Progress City, or Epcot, Experimental Prototype City of Tomorrow. Now, if you've ever been to Disney World, you'll know that this idea didn't quite pan out how Walt had envisioned. But although Walt passed away before the first stage of his Florida project, the East Coast Disneyland, known as the Magic Kingdom, could be completed, his legacy and plans for Progress City were not forgotten. Walt wanted his planned community to be a center of innovation and advancement in all aspects of human life, and this central value of Epcot was not disregarded. Although the company had qualms about their ability to construct and operate a fully functional city without Walt's leadership and vision, there was something that his Imagineers were quite familiar with, theme parks. So in the 1970s, development began for the second phase of the Florida project, what is now known as Epcot Center. The back half of the park was occupied by pavilions representing non-individual countries, while the front of the park became Future World, an area based on Walt's nine original concepts for his city of tomorrow. Communication, innovation, energy, transportation, ecosystems and nutrition, creativity and the imagination, the ocean, the body, and the future. Beginning at the front entrance, guests are welcomed by Spaceship Earth. A large geodesic sphere, Spaceship Earth takes riders on a slow-moving journey into what is affectionately known as the ball, in a time machine-style vehicle to experience the dawn and development of communication, 
from the creation of words and symbols to written language and record keeping to the creation of the first computer system. Like a grand and miraculous spaceship, our planet has sailed through the universe of time, and for a brief moment, we have been among its passengers. Other highlights of opening day Epcot Center included the land, which educated guests on agriculture and food technology. The shining jewel of this pavilion was the Listen to the Land boat ride, which sailed guests through model environments and real greenhouses, where much of the food served in the land's restaurants was grown. Let's listen to the land we all love. Nature's plan will shine upon. Listen to the land. The Imagination Pavilion took guests on a journey with a character known as the Dreamfinder and its whimsical purple dragon, Figment. Through a catchy theme song written by the Sherman Brothers, writers of There's a Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow from the Carousel of Progress, the Dreamfinder and Figment reminded guests of all ages of the importance of imagination. Imagination, imagination, a dream can be a dream come true. Themed to the idea of the future itself, Horizons first opened its doors to guests one year after Epcot Center's opening. Applying all of the future world concepts into one attraction, the ride was often perceived to be a sequel to the Carousel of Progress. The parents in Horizons were interpreted to be an older, grandparent-aged version of John and Sarah, the parents from the Carousel. Horizons 1 is now departing. Our final destination today, the 21st century. Hey, that's some destination. John and Sarah are our narrators, guiding us through scenes of looking back at tomorrow, Jules Verne's idea of the future, as well as the future from the 50s, which featured robotic butlers and chefs. Next, we see John and Sarah's new life in the future. They now reside in the urban community of Novasite, where an animatronic Sarah is chatting to their daughter via hologram. Moving along, we find ourselves in the desert farm where Patricia lives with her family. The smell of oranges fills the air as she controls robotic fertilizers over the fields. The next scene takes us to an underwater classroom where students are being instructed on diving techniques. Then we see a peek at an underwater city, where behind bubble glass windows there is a couple eating at a restaurant, as well as a girl peering out at the ocean life. At long last, our journey with Sarah and John takes us to the final frontier, outer space. Their son resides with his family in a space colony, where the primary industry is harvesting crystals for use on Earth. John and Sarah remember that they have to hurry home for being our tour guides to hologram chat with her grandson on his birthday. Upon leaving the Omnimover, we are greeted by one final spectacular sight, Robert McCall's 1983 mural known as The Prologue and the Promise. Horizons was demolished in 1999 when the attraction's costs exceeded Disney's budget. The park began to stray from Walt's vision. Horizons was replaced with Mission Space, a centrifugal force simulator, the Living Seas Pavilion became the Seas with Nemo and Friends, and the Universe of Energy was closed to prepare for a Guardians of the Galaxy roller coaster. The desire for thrilling attractions and commercial properties may have helped the park succeed in the post-9-11 tourist drought, but they negated the concept of Epcot itself, a park based around thinking and knowledge, a place meant to inform equally as much as it was meant to entertain. Walt wanted his Epcot, Progress City, to be a place that unified people with the idea of progress, reserving the idea of escapist, lighthearted fun for the Magic Kingdom in Disneyland. Epcot Center and Horizons exemplified and embodied his aspirations, and in their absence, the park is left feeling transient, awkwardly straddling the gap between a playground for Disney princesses and an equally magical place where Mickey-shaped watermelons are grown in canal-crossed greenhouses, 
and where omniscient voices remind us to thank the Phoenicians for how easy it was to learn our ABCs. Today, while bumping around on the now 55-year-old People Mover track in Tomorrowland, it's easy to forget where everything started, with an aspiring young cartoonist from Marceline, Missouri. Is the Tomorrowland problem one that even the most skilled Imagineers have succumbed to? Is the future developing too quickly to ever capture in the present? Walt might have had these answers, had the solution to creating a future that was always one step ahead of the technology of the present, so maybe we've given up too soon. After all, as he said in 1955, it's kind of fun to do the impossible.